Big Ben, cheers. Cheers. Football, cheers. Cheers, cheers. Brit, cheers. Yeah. Borshans, cheers. Brexit, Brexit, cheers. Skepta, cheers. London Bridge, cheers. East London, cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Bruv, cheers. Yeah. What we doing over here? Yeah. Every day we say cheers. Mate. Yeah, we. Cheers, 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 cheers. Yes, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome we back to another edition day. of the cheers, Orlando cheers, Soccer Show. Because of the implication. Cheers, the implication. Cheers, cheers, cheers to everyone cheers, as we enter Mike. another week of... I don't know how to explain it, but Orlando City is not great. And that's how we're starting the show. How we feeling out there tonight? <laughs> yeah, I am not feeling good. Yes, Bo Burnham, we are all not feeling good. Hey, that running the soundboard is Brad Newton. Ahoy! I'm Austin David, and we're going to talk about Orlando City and the Orlando Pride. Plus, it's that time of year once again, college soccer, UCF and Rollins, the local Orlando soccer teams starting back up next Orlando's week. home team. The Orlando's home team, indeed. Uh, one of the teams actually starts this week. And every other team starts in the next couple of weeks, so we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. But as we always do, we got to start. We got to start about Orlando City, and um, wow, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Despite Orlando City being in third place in the MLS standings right now, there's not a lot of optimism going around the Orlando City fan base right now. Hard it- to imagine why not. Uh yeah, y- yikes? Question mark? Are we? Sh- is it time for everyone to start freaking out about Orlando City? Is it time for everyone to be worried? Nothing. Listen, nothing. I haven't only been saying all year long about um, uh, creativity and scoring goals. So you know, um, I hate to say I've been right this whole time, but hey, uh, Bradshaw Thomas, seldom <laughs> wrong. I like how you added seldom instead of never wrong. Hey, uh, you know, I, I think I did say Orlando City would make the playoffs in year two or three, so. They made it in year one. This is technically year one of the of actual MLS season, not the shortened MLS season. No, I meant like their history in MLS. So. Oh, well, yeah, in there, there's, there was that too. Just a couple years off. Yeah, a few. <laughs> Just a few. Well, I guess we'll we'll start talking about this Santos Laguna game. They I mean, put out they put out a can. strong lineup. It was a a the first time that both normal starting fullbacks actually played in a game this season. That is this is true. Um so at least that happened. So that did happen. But yes, uh, Juan and Jamutinho both played in the match. Uh, did it help? Eh. It it, it did something. It, it... <laughs> Point of the matter is, Orlando City lost one nothing. They couldn't get anything going offensively against a very staunch defensive-minded team. Santos Laguna is known for being very defensive-minded, and against a defensive-minded team, you're less likely to score goals. And and as soon as you concede oh. one, they bunker back into a defensive shape. But at the same time, 
Orlando didn't really help themselves by creating chances because they, well, didn't. They had a shot within 20 seconds of the game starting, and that was their first shot on target and their last shot on target in the first half. That really just tells you everything you need to know. And there was only one other shot in the second half, which was from Nani, from distance, that was on target for Orlando. Two shots total in the entire game. Yeah, that um, happened. Yes. It was a game. It's definitely a game that definitely... Now, a, a lot of people have been criticizing Mason Stadahar for not making the save that ended up being Santos's game-winning goal. Everyone was saying, like, oh, well, Pedro could have made that save. It's like, yeah, maybe, but maybe. Do, do I you, mean, do, does that, like, I just want to point this out. This is Mason Stadahar's fourth start for the MLS ever. team. Ever. He's played in USL Championship for Tulsa for 17 games. This is the highest level against a high level team in Santos. He's spent like six years playing as. Not even a backup, but a backup's backup. Like, he has struggled to get playing time. And if you talk to any goalkeeper that has ever played the game, any any player in general, but especially goalkeepers, getting game minutes against good competition, not just academy teams or the practice squad, that is what makes you a better player. And I remember talking to Earl Edwards about this years ago when he was sitting on the bench for Orlando City and he went through the whole process of, of you know, being drafted and, and sitting on the bench behind Tally Hall and, and eventually getting his chance a couple of years later with OCB and just getting those games underneath him helped prepare him to play at the MLS level. Now, granted, he's not currently there right now, but the point of the matter stands that you need games to build confidence and to become a better player. If you just go ahead and say, ah, Mason's not good enough, bench him for Adam Grinwis. That's not making him better. So I, I respect Oscar Pereja for sticking with him and maintaining the confidence level in him because he can become better. Like he has the athletic ability. It's just some of the 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 small things that he needs to work on. But like remain remember, Mason Stadahar is twenty three years old. Like, for, for goalkeepers especially, that is incredibly young. So I think getting him some game minutes now with Orlando City, like, he's only allowed one goal per game outside of that Atlanta game. I don't. I would say that's not bad. Like, he's come up with some big saves in the process. I think people are just looking at, at Mason as a, a scapegoat for them not being able to actually score goals. Because he's the easy scapegoat. He's, yeah, the, he's mean, the the backup. You know, he's the young kid. He's like, ah, well, he's not ready for this. I think he's done fine. I think he's done better than I expected. To be completely honest, people just gotta yeah, chill. I mean, <laughs> I it, it went about as I mean, for it to be one nil. I mean, that's about as well as you'd probably expect if they were gonna lose. I mean, of of the losing outcomes to only concede one goal that kind of just deflected off of him took a weird bounce and yeah it just bounced right it in front in. it bounced right in front of him on the ground and, i mean and he, he i mean he read the, i mean he read it the the exact correct way it just 
took a it just took a bounce and that's i mean as a goalkeeper i don't know what else you did everything you can do i mean that really falls more on his defense than anything else allowing that shot to even happen really i mean if uh, if a keeper reads a, a shot correctly and it just takes a bounce that's not on the keeper yeah and, and brad has actually played as a keeper in hockey before and so he does know a little bit about what he's talking about it Hockey and and soccer is is very similar when it comes to the goalkeeper position, even though there's there's a lot differences to it. Yeah, I mean defensive strategies. I mean it's it 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 all it's about minimizing the 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 quality shot as far as defense goes, and then once the, once the shot happens on the keeper, your job is to make the the correct read on it. And he did everything he was supposed to. It's there's just certain weird bounces and deflections that once you've committed as a keeper that I mean you can't you can't account for so once that happens then that's it it's just kind of it's it's going it's going you're either going to make the save or you're not that's that's really how that breaks down yeah and if it doesn't take a dip then he makes that save and it's it's who knows how that game goes I mean it's it's really I mean, Santos probably doesn't get into quite a defensive shape and stifle any opportunities that Orlando has quite as easily. So, yeah. But at the same time, Orlando had chances within the first 30 minutes to score a goal, and they didn't. So that's true. Blaming one player is, is <laughs> silly. Yeah, and, and really, I mean, I cannot find the XG for this match at all. But, I mean, just looking at the stats, like Orlando had the bulk of the possession. The teams had the same amount of shots. Santos had two more shots on goal than Orlando did. Um, block shots, it's even at three. I mean, there's just the, it's it looks like I mean it's a it's pretty even down the middle if you look at at this match statistically. It's just Orlando they just couldn't get anything going creatively uh, creatively because once Santos had the lead, they were just going to hold on to it because that's all they really had to do. Just they could just absorb pressure and just break up whatever chances Orlando might might try to throw their way. And especially if Orlando doesn't have its most optimal lineup out there offensively, then, of course, they can just sort of pin back and do whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, they did kind of have their best lineup possible out there. Yeah, I mean, the best lineup possible, not exactly the best lineup. Correct. Correct. Uh, I, I think we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. Sebas Mendez and... Daryl DK are big parts of the way that they want to play. I've noticed something as of late because of the injuries and the way that certain players play differently. If you remember all of last year and even in the early part of this year, Oscar Pereja has always said we want to be protagonists. And he hasn't been saying that a lot over the last couple games because his team haven't been protagonists. They've been on the ones bunkering defending and countering to create their offense and that's something i've noticed over the last couple games is that they're not the ones controlling the games they're being controlled and have to adapt to that and that's partly because of some of the players that are missing but also just the players that are currently there are not they're not playing well you can look at any number of players that just haven't been playing up to expectations or even like recent performances i mean mm-hmm. we i mean god for a minute there it looked like it looked like chris mueller was back and then he's just disappeared almost entirely again yeah he uh, had that one chance in the beginning of the game and then and, and nothing else 
but I mean, not even just chances, but I mean, as a, I mean, for the position that he plays, helping to generate offense and carrying possession and creating opportunities for guys to score, it's just not there. Mm. And I mean, I, I, one of the guys I think has been most exciting so far has been Vanderwater and to see him get very limited minutes. I know it's, I know he's, he's still adjusting to this team and, and getting I don't, used no, to I don't, honestly I don't even think it's that anymore I think it's just that Oscar likes him off the bench as somebody who can take advantage of when this team is tired he brings that like how Chris Mueller was a couple years ago the super sub he comes in he brings that that flair that excitement and that energy that the team needs and especially if you're coming in as a sub with all that energy against a tired back line, you're able to be more effective in some of those instances. But, so but I, it just has, but it, but it just hasn't been there. I mean, it'd be one thing if yeah, he was coming in and as a sub, and suddenly this team was was taking it to, to teams. I mean, I mean, look at the Atlanta I'll, game though. That's exactly what he did. He came in, he scored, and assisted. But that's the one time that that happened. I mean, you could look at the Miami game, Cincinnati, and the, in the even this game. So, I mean, there's three more more recent examples of it just not happening. Yeah, but in those most recent games, the thing that has Vanderwater didn't even play against. Cincinnati. No, but that's the thing. In those last couple games, they've had a player injured in the beginning, first half of the game. So they've had to adjust their starting or not their starting, but their substitute schedule. So because of that, sometimes Which, Vanderwater hasn't been able to come in and play, and and again, or, or when he does, it's it's late and it's late into a game where his effectiveness might might not be best utilized. Maybe right, but again, you can't plan for those forty five minute injuries. No, like that's just something you have to adapt to on the fly. And the best laid plans of mice and men, something 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 like that. You can make all the best plans that you want to make, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to come to fruition. And most of the time, they don't. The key is about being adaptable, and Oscar Pereja has tried his best to be adaptable. The issue is that list of players that he can rely on is dwindling smaller and smaller with each and every injury. Yeah. Like, you you have so limited options in the midfield right now. You have Andres Pereja Jr. Urso and Joey Desart that are healthy right now. Like, that, that's, that's, your, that's your central midfield right there. And you don't have a, you don't have a backup for Mauricio right now, unless it's David Loera, but he hasn't gotten enough playing time to really be considered a a backup. All right, you don't have a backup striker other than Tesho, and Tesho is the backup to Daryl. He's hurt. The other backup, Derek Dotson, is currently all on loan away at Hartford. Who's by the way, he's doing pretty well over there. So the the list of depth players is dwindling so fast that it's hard for Oscar to be able to game plan with certain players that he just doesn't necessarily trust yet. And that's the biggest part of of the run last year is that they were able to stay relatively healthy. And you saw as soon as some players started going down, the team shifted, wasn't as dominant. Of course, they were playing better competition but at the same time, when you lose when you lose important players to injury, it always affects the team. Always, absolutely. But here's here's the thing that I take issue with. I don't I don't 
think they've outside of two matches, I don't think they've had like a dominant performance really though. No, they haven't. And again, you look at who was the striker last year when they were being dominant. Mm-hmm. And you look at the beginning of the year, who was striker? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> having Daryl DK and not having Daryl DK up top makes a huge difference. I mean, even, I mean, we only, we only saw it for a little while, but I, I I mean, I'm just thinking like, man, that Pato getting hurt in the 80th minute of that match against Atlanta to start the season is is a nightmare because he was brought in to be like the guy to be up top while DK was away. And now we just, we just haven't had it outside of most of one match at the beginning of the season. Yeah, the, the man has not played a single minute since. And I asked Oscar Pereja the other day in his, uh, you know, match day press conference or pre pre match press conference. He said that Prato, Pato presented some muscle tightness in his leg last week. Uh, Pereja did say his knee that he had surgery on is fine, but right now they're waiting to get him back on the pitch. He hasn't been out there to train because he hurt himself in another instance other than his actual injury that he was recovering from so imagine like you know your your right knee gets hurt like if you're pato your right knee gets hurt you get it reconstructed and you start working your way back and then you hurt your left leg like uh, you just cramp in your muscle or something you have to wait a couple weeks for that to heal that's basically uh, alexander pato in a nutshell and and yeah basically just error message from windows essentially that is that is Alexander Pato's tenure at Orlando City. Error. And now he's shut down. <laughs> he's He's been shut down by the training staff. He's not even out on the training pitch right now. While we're on the subject of injuries, though, I'll, I'll go ahead and run through the gambit of current injuries that we know of. Sebas Mendez, who was wearing a boot on his foot, has returned to the training pitch, but it's working on the side. Biggest thing with him is that where his injury to his foot was, it's the point on his foot where he makes contact with the ball. So they're doing their best not to rush him back because they don't want to re-aggravate the foot that he literally kicks the ball with. And not only that, but if he gets into contact with players and they step on his foot again when it's not fully healed, they could have a huge setback. So... They want Sebas towards the end of the season, and they will they will do what they can to make sure he's 100% at the end of the season rather than 75% now. And that's kind of the way they've been taking a lot of the injuries is that they're not trying to rush players back until they're 100%. They want everybody to be ready to go and the training staff to confirm that they're ready to go before they're actually put out on the field. So that's kind of what Sebas is going through right now. Daryl DK right now, he is, according to Oscar Pereja, recovering. Uh, he doesn't like to get into too many specifics because he doesn't know the actual language or the jargon of medical professionals. So he keeps things very generic, which unfortunately doesn't help us. But I can understand where he's coming from. 
DK had a bit of tendonitis in his leg as well as his shoulder issue that he had in the Gold Cup. So he's recovering from both of those. He hasn't been outside at training, at least from what I've seen. Um, the What was it, last week when I was out there, he was chatting with Oscar Pereja on a cooler. They were just kind of sitting and chatting for like a good half hour while some of the reserves and the uh, academy players played a scrimmage. So he's he's out there. For those saying, oh, he's getting transferred. No, he's there. He's just actually injured. Go figure. Uh, as for the other players like Pedro and Uri Rossell, uh, those guys are day-to-day, basically. Oscar said that they're trying to recover some players and see who is 100% available for not just this game of coming up, but also the game that's in three to four days. And, of course, the game coming up is tonight against Nashville, who has now overtaken Orlando City in the standings. Well, go go figure. Yeah, they're not not the only team that that's overtaken Orlando City in the standings. Yeah, NYCFC has also done that as well. It's a one point difference between second and fourth, though. Orlando's at thirty. New York City and Nashville are at thirty-one. So a result for Orlando this evening would actually put them ahead. Yeah, put them ahead. Yeah, because they have more wins than Nashville. Uh, not well, Nashville also has more games played, so yes, it would. It, I mean, also it would put them at thirty-three points versus Nashville having thirty-one. So, well, yeah, a, a draw uh, <laughs> would also not help them. So they'd have to win to move up above Nashville because they still have one fewer point than Nashville. Correct. Now Orlando is three, three, and three away from home. Nashville, on the other hand, they're seven zero and five at home. Fun. That's mm-hmm. that's good to know. Yeah, Nashville undefeated oh, at home. Not great. However, they like to draw a lot. They have five draws on the road and five draws at home. That's the most draws in the league. By a lot. Wow. The only team with double-digit draws. I think we talked about a little, this a little bit last week. but Nashville's been really, really good lately. And it's been kind of surprising to see how good they've been. Like they just crushed DC United five to two, and they've DC got United they've got multiple not a terrible team this year. They're right, a playoff team. Yeah, they have as many wins as Orlando City does. Yeah, and the biggest thing is, I honestly, from my opinion, is they actually have a striker. Go figure what an actual striker will hey, do to your team. Hey, how, how novel? Yeah, CJ Sapong, who has uh, joined. I, I don't know what Nashville's nickname is. They, he's joined Nashville, and he's got eight goals on the season now in 19 appearances. And Henny Mukhtar, um, the original DP for Nashville, also has eight goals, but he has six assists to go along with it. After that, the the drop-off point kind of hits hard, where the next highest goal scorer is Randall Leal with three. Here's expecting you to say Dax McCarthy. Now, Dax McCarthy actually did set a record the other night to become one of the... Uh, think 10 players all time that has registered 400 career mls appearances so the pride of winter park florida who has played 16 years has made 400 career appearances what a legend what a guy his family is is fantastic as well if you've ever met uh, dart mccarty his dad 
Uh, he's been fully ingrained into the Orlando soccer scene for years. He was one of the people that pushed hard for Orlando City to get uh, permission to build their stadium to try and get into MLS. And um, he's he's I mean he's been around it since the early days. And then guess, um, his his wife guess actually. Nick Romando at the top of that list. Yeah. Then Beckerman. Lewinowitz probably somewhere up there too. Yep. Ramondo, Beckerman, Jeff Lorenowitz, Kevin Hartman, and Chad Marshall. Yeah. Yep. Uh Chris Wondolowski is currently at three ninety nine and Drew Moore at three ninety seven. It's always fun to remember that Drew Moore is still in the league. Yeah, like how crazy is that? I remember a couple That's... years ago when he was like one of the better center backs playing at the time he's now 37 years old yeah. that's crazy like he played for dallas he played for colorado toronto back at colorado played seven games this year it's just a couple more like you'd think he wants to get to 400 before he calls it a, a, a career yeah and i mean he's he's done most of it with colorado too so right probably he needs three more games just throw him in his three substitute appearances. Call it 400. He's at um, well, 397. He needs three more games. Yeah, well, I was going to say for Colorado, he's he has 195 appearances. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, five more with Colorado and he'll hit 200 and then 400 two total. After that. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, w- w- what we were talking about in terms of uh, Nashville, right? I mentioned how two players with eight goals and then the drop off to three Orlando has one player with nine goals and that's Nani and then the drop off to three so right now Orlando's biggest issue is they they just have one guy and that's Nani like put it to, to put it in perspective Daryl DK is currently top five in goal scored for Orlando City this year yeah He's played four games. Like, it's nice to say that Orlando has a lot of distributed scoring where a lot of guys have gotten on the score sheet. But, like, Chris Mueller's got two goals. Mauricio Pereira's got one goal. Benji and Tesho have three goals each. Yeah, and, I mean, Chris only scored his first goal, what, against, um, was it? Against Miami. Miami. Yeah, in, in Miami. At the end of June. Mm-hmm. They scored again the next game against uh, Red Bulls, and then nothing since. Remember when I thought he was back? That was fun. We all thought he was back. He had four points in four games. He did, and now he's had zero in the four since. Yep. Well, Orlando gets to play Nashville tonight. But that's not all this week. They get to come back home and face the Chicago Fire on Saturday. Now, for some reason, Orlando had a really big issue in Chicago the last time out. For some reason? Yes, for for some reason. Anyway, point of the matter is they play Saturday at 8 o'clock. Chicago's actually been doing okay lately. They've kind of gotten a little bit better they're out of the full seller of mls eastern conference standings 
They're now at 20 points. They're six points behind the playoff line as of right now. They're doing it seven teams. Seven make it into the playoffs this year. Now, the big thing for Chicago over their last couple games is that they've actually started putting together complete performances and not just kind of average performances. I mean, they did... Well, like their most have... their most recent result was a one nothing win against Columbus. Their game before yeah. that was a two one win against New York. They held New York City FC, arguably one of the most powerful offenses in MLS right now, to a nil nil score. Granted, and NYCFC were down the ten men. Still, like they're a very high powered offense, you know. And at the time, Chicago wasn't playing all that great. They lost to Toronto just two games before. And, you know, Toronto is Toronto. But all of... But, yeah. But, like, all of August, they haven't lost a game. Like, literally, their last loss was to Toronto back at the end of July. You know, it's weird. You know who else has a loss to Toronto? The Revs. The Revs did lose to Toronto uh, the game after Chris Armas got fired. Mm-hmm. Go figure. Also, Chicago beat Atlanta 3-0 at the beginning of July. Yeah, but I mean, that's not much of a achievement this year. Right. Well, Chicago's July went like this. 3-0 win to Atlanta. 3-0 or 3-1 win against Orlando. 5-1 loss to Nashville. <laughs> 2-2 draw with DC and a 2-1 loss to Toronto. And since then, haven't lost. Chicago is also Chicago is also down to ten men, like in the first like fifteen minutes against Nashville. So yeah. That's, that's, oh, that didn't help. That did not help yeah, at all. That did not help at all. No. So, uh, benefit for Chicago though, uh, they get to play in Miami on Wednesday. So at least both teams are playing away games on the same day, and then Orlando yeah, but- gets to host them on Saturday. Yeah, but Chicago has to play against a chain-smoking striker who's past his prime, and Orlando has to play against an actual good team. <laughs> yeah, that's a way to put it. Chain-smoking striker in Miami. Did you see the uh, athletic article, by the way? Uh, I saw it. I haven't. I I, I I sort of gleamed through it. I was sort of preoccupied when you when I first saw the the headline, and my first thought was. Oh, like Arsenal. I was like, oh, fuck, shit, they are Arsenal, aren't they? <laughs> uh, we launched a brand, not a team, is the title of the article, which just immediately wants you makes you want to read it. Um, but, but yeah, basically, David Beckham launched into Miami as a brand, not necessarily a team, and now they're trying to build said team together. And as Brad pointed out, Arsenal, the brand. Versus yeah. Arsenal, the team. Yeah, Arsenal is a, uh, a streetwear uh, brand with a soccer problem. It's just vibes. Yeah, I mean, we have the best kits in the league, but after that, don't look at the man behind the curtain. Right, vibes. Enter Miami, they they cornered the market on... Enter <laughs> Miami cornered the market on pink in MLS. Nobody else had done that. And that's it. That's it's the it's the vibe of the kit. Nope. And yeah, and they're the only team to ever have a pink kit 
don't pay any attention to that Seattle Sounders. They're the only team to ever do that. That's what Miami would want you to think. Yeah, no, I mean, I very vividly remember <laughs> Sounders having a pink kit several years ago. Yeah. For their away one. Which is nice. More more clubs should go away from boring white kits. Yes. Problem is, the pink is just very subtle. It's not like actually. Yeah, pink. no. It's it's more like a rosé pink than yeah. anything else. It's Which, like... again, very, very Miami. Yeah. Like rosé pink? Come on. That's that's like super Miami. Yeah. Anyways, um, the other day, just speaking of Miami, I randomly ran into a Inter-Miami kit with Beckham 23 on the back. It is funny that they were selling those. Yeah. You want to guess how much that was? Uh, 30 bucks. Yeah, 120. Wait. You said you found that at a Ross for 120 bucks? Uh, sorry, something? sorry. That was the original price. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't yeah, actually yeah. check the the actual price. Yeah, no. I mean, of course, cuz I mean, that's that's Adidas's MO. They're going to they're not going to sell a team owner's jersey for less than what an actual jersey cost. Yeah. I just, I'm surprised that that existed. Hey, David Beckham, Miami Jersey. You know what I walked into and I felt really sad about uh, earlier today? What? I walked into United World Soccer and it is not in great shape. That's sad. Yeah. I mean, they did move in the midst of the pandemic. Back to their old spot. Yeah. And it was like, it was like a sad, empty Jersey room. Huh. That sucks. Yeah. It wasn't great. Can all you? I mean, to to say you can't find like, uh, I mean, teams that would have been in the uh, the Super League, even hmm. like, not great. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. All right. Well, we talked about Orlando City. Let's talk about the Orlando Pride. Let's let's get our minds into something more fun. Pride. Undefeated under Becky Burley, still. Yeah, yeah, that's that's very true, actually. Yeah, two draws and a win. And all things considered, uh-huh. last month, if you had said that they would have gotten a win and two draws against some of the better competition in NWSL, I mean, the draws were against North Carolina and Portland, and the win was against Chicago. If I had said this to you a month ago when they were losing pretty badly in just about every game you'd be you'd be happy about that right yeah i mean they have they're they're in fourth place they have played the most amount of matches of any team in the nwsl right now um but yeah i mean they're level on points with gotham fc even though they have two matches in hand on the pride um yeah, I mean, drawing against Portland and North Carolina, that's cool. And then picking up a win over the, the Red Stars, I mean, that's that's about as good as you'd hope, I guess. If not if you if not getting a win, getting a getting a draw against them, not not terrible outcomes. Yeah, I I, th- I would think that Orlando considering they were up one nothing for 75 minutes or 60 50 minutes or so, uh, cuz Jody Taylor scored yeah, 13th minute was Julie Taylor's goal. Yeah. And the 78th minute. I mean, that sucks that yeah. it was that late in the match that the Thorns equalized. But the Thorns also 
clearly looked like they were going to equalize at several points throughout the match. So. They did, and it was uh, the goal that they conceded, the Klingenberg free kick that uh, Simone Charlie headed in. It was kind of frustrating because Charlie had a... It wasn't a, even... Like it was a good wasn't header. Even the best opportunity, it wasn't even the best opportunity they had on goal. No, and Ashlyn Harris did Ashlyn Harris things again, but that's that's. Yeah. I mean, you expect that from her at this point, so it's it's nothing new because she does this every week. Yeah. Point of the matter yeah, is, but again, this is not uh, something that we'd hope for, and also something that happened yesterday. Uh, Connie Plummer got loaned. Oh yeah. Having defenders being loaned out to Sweden probably not the most. I think thing. it's 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 good for her development, honestly. She's just not getting playing time right now and I think she's she needs it. And and yeah. again, she's she's one of those players that she is talented. She's the captain of the Jamaican national team and the the loan is is fairly short term. Like she's just there until the end of November. So at this point, I think it's just to give her some time, give her some minutes, and get her some much-needed pro experience at this point. In fairness, though, till the end of November is the rest of the season. Yeah, but the, again, it's just that's what two months. Yeah, I mean October 29th is the last Pride match. So again, they they have many players that could play ahead of her right now. I just I think when they brought in Amy Turner. It was basically saying Kanye Plummer is going to not play this season. Yeah. Oh. I would I wouldn't Still. have minded seeing Kanye Plummer as a striker. For those who know, uh, when she played in D two for West Florida, she scored a ton of goals when she was playing striker, and then when she went to UCF, switched to a center back. Wouldn't have minded seeing that. But anyway, point of the matter is Swedish side AIK, which um. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you at all. Um, is that not where um, you're? You're getting there. You're you're so close. Somebody played there for Orlando. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say it. It's Robin yeah. Janssen's former club. Well, that was not the direction I was I was thinking. <laughs> in. Yep. I'm a Swedish plumber. I'm here to fix your pipes. That's good. That's a good accent. <laughs> At least Konya Plumber goes to a kind of a a familiar club. Yeah, it's a Umia is the club I'm thinking of that Marta played on. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And then there's a Teresa, which is another Swedish club that she played for. Though not as notably as Yumiya, or she's made 103 appearances for. Yep. A lot of time spent there. Wasn't it Wasn't it called, uh, was it FC Rosegard? Rosengard? Rosengard? That, yeah, that's a different club. That's the club that Marta was playing for in the past, though, right? Yeah, that was the club she's played for before the Pride. That's right. So, I mean, she Marta's had a lot of experience playing in sweden yeah yeah very much so right let's very quickly talk about jody taylor two goals two games starting to find her form a little bit really filling that much needed gap that alex morgan left doesn't quite fill it because it's not alex morgan but jody taylor still 
able to to get it done despite you know coming coming towards the end of her career like she's 35 years old she's been playing around the world and she's still scoring like yeah. just last year she was playing for Lyon only made six appearances but still she's already doubled her scoring total from there yeah in two fewer matches and again this is a player that has played Look, you'll never you'll never in, get in me a multitude to say a bad thing about any Ars- a former arsenal player yeah besides uh, kieran gibbs <laughs> this is kieran gibbs uh guys are we doing this are we getting the band back together stop we already decided that we are not getting the band back together 69 dudes anyway jody taylor it's great to see jody taylor being able to to score and, and provide offense and you know help out one of the best goal scorers in the league and by one of the best goal scorers in the league you mean sinular yeah it's exactly who i mean currently tied with ashley hatch for most goals man she had a she had a man there's such a good she had a good chance at the end of that that match that if that if that back heel combination had worked man that would have been that probably would have been your nwsl goal of the year if only it had worked but it didn't and so we are here left to wonder but anyways, six goals on the season for Sydney LaRue tied with Ashley Hatch. And she scored in, in very different styles as well. Like normally she is a right-footed player, which she has scored four goals with her right, but she's also scored three left-footed goals. So definitely impressive to say the least. Uh, still needs to get on the assist board though much like her other co-leader in goals zero assists on the year for uh sydney larue and ashley hatch but speaking of assists guess who tops the nwsl assists leaders erica timrak incorrect currently tied with three assists on the year it is taylor korniak and marta one of those you expect one of those maybe not yeah, I, I wouldn't have expected that, but it's good to know. Yeah. And the biggest thing, out of the 18 goals that the Orlando Pride have scored, 16 of them have been assisted on, which is the most in NWSL. They also have the second most goals scored in NWSL this year. Which is like, kind of crazy to think about because the pride went through that whole lull of not being able to do anything and now they've kind of come back a little bit and started to play much better under becky burley and yet despite all of that they're still one of the best offensive teams in the league statistically yeah i mean when you when you go down the list i mean Cindy larue uh fourth in league and shots second in shots on goal um Orlando for team goals is third in the league with 18. The leader is Portland with 21. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of good positive things to look at, though. Uh, the one area that is kind of concerning, they are not top five in the league in total shots, mm-hmm. but they are fifth in the league in shots on goal. So it's it's more quality than quantity, I guess. That's happening there. Yeah, just just a little bit. 
which I mean, I get it, but sometimes you also just need to shoot at the net because even you never know what'll happen. You never know what'll happen. Just getting, getting more volume on net is only a net positive, really. Ha, net positive. Yeah, yeah. Diarrhea. <laughs> and and again, you know, you, you you take shots at the goal. You never know what'll happen. Could go in. It, again. Sometimes you you try and create quality shots. You try and to to to, to borrow a phrase, create art. But you never know what could happen, and and shooting is, you know, it gives you a better opportunity than not shooting. Put it that way. So and you know what? Sometimes when you shoot, you get one of these. I love Mike Breen. Just grip it and rip it. Well, the Orlando Pride get to take on the Washington Spirit this Sunday at 4 o'clock. It's in D.C. So yet another road game. Three of their last four have been on the road for the Pride. This game against Portland was the first home game that Becky Burley was actually able to coach. Put it that way. Uh, The Spirit currently with 19 points on the season. They're kind of going through a lot right now because Richie Burke, their former head coach, got fired. Yeah, putting it very lightly. But Richie Burke got fired for basically bullying some of his players to quitting soccer and being mentally abusive and kind of a shitty person. And this isn't the first time that these allegations have been thrown his way because when he was hired, there were those allegations sitting on the table and the spirit for an office is like, nah, he's cool trust us and then it turns out they shouldn't have yeah yeah the uh spirit front office also not cool not not great well the spirit are going through their own stuff right now and orlando get to go play them yay washington also did just draw 2-2 against houston uh just this past weekend Right. Well, we will keep you updated on the Orlando Pride and what happens next. Alex Morgan is expected back, well, basically yesterday, I believe, is when she came back. Or no, today or tomorrow is when she is expected back in town. Though she's still nursing an injury, it's kind of fluid, her situation, in terms of when she will get back to playing and training. Uh, But they were very happy to give her some time to kind of get herself sorted so hopefully she is back within the next two to three games and then the pride may be at full strength for the first time in a while right on to the final soccer topic that we have for today college soccer all right we're getting we're getting started once again ucf men start on august 26th the women, on the other hand, uh, they just beat the University of Miami in an exhibition two to nothing, and now their first home game of the season is against the University of Texas on Thursday the nineteenth, which means that's tomorrow, six o'clock at home 
at the UCF Soccer and Track Complex. So you can head out there and watch some action. And then their next game, which is next Thursday, August 26th, while the men are at home, the women are heading up to Gainesville to play at UF. Now, as we shift into the Rollins soccer scene, I do want to shout out the University of Florida. As Becky Burley's replacement hired Rollins College forward Tony Amato as their head coach. And that's former Rollins forward who played back in the early 2000s. He's been coaching the University of Arizona's women's program for the longest time and now makes his return to the state of Florida here in 2021. So... That's it for UCF. Rollins, on the other hand, their schedules have been announced. The men officially start uh, tonight. Technically, they have a preseason match against Stetson. Then they get to play Daytona State and Southeastern. And then they head up to Wingate University to play on Saturday, September 4th as their first official game of the season. Uh, the women, on the other hand, their first game is a tournament out in Columbus, Georgia, where they get to play the University of West Alabama and Mississippi College starting on September 3rd. So September is Division II start of soccer. They play basically until the beginning of November. Meanwhile, the UCF schedule goes from basically Thursday until October, and then their tournaments go into uh, the end of October and into the early part of November for the conference championship. The NCAA tournament starts mid-November. So once the season starts up, we'll give you all the college soccer news that you can handle. And of course, if you want to watch all the UCF games, they are on ESPN+. Plus. Whereas the Rollins games, you can watch over on Rollins College Sports or RollinsSports.com. And now, Brad, it is time. Weird news. Red cards. Let's see what you got. So, for my weird news today, um, I have a story coming out of Tennessee. Mm. Um, it is, uh, investigators determined dog muzzles that the former state vaccine manager was ordered with her own credit card. Um, so, a... Uh, State investigation to a dog muzzle that was sent to Tennessee's uh, former vaccine manager closed on Monday. Uh, she was claiming that um, uh, basically that she was basically um, she uh, claimed to have seen to receive the, the muzzle a week prior to her termination. Uh, at the time, uh, the Tennessee Department of Health officials contacted. Uh, Tennessee Department of Safety and Homeland Security expressing concern that the muzzle was intended as a threat. Uh, she had told investigators that she had no knowledge of who, se who sent the muzzle. Um, and then the investigation found the muzzle was ordered from an Amazon account that appeared to be attached to uh, the official and uh, was bought purchasing uh, their credit card. Um, quote, hold tight. No, I didn't send it to myself. Uh, she, the official had tweeted on Monday in a statement. Uh, they said that uh, they, quote, requested that Homeland Security obtain a subpoena as Amazon refused to release details of the account that ordered the muzzle that was delivered to my office uh, July 3rd, 2021. We have now learned that a second Amazon account has been established under my name using what appears to be a temporary phone, possibly in Washington State. I've asked Homeland Security for the unredacted report so that I can investigate further and am awaiting their response. Mm -hmm. Um, 
so basically, uh, this person uh, said that they were fired for um, basically they they were sent a dog muzzle that they, that they thought they're they're being threatened with. I guess is how this whole story went about. Hmm. So didn't really add up. No. I guess uh, th- this this news story kind of reminded me of the whitest kids you know. Um, R.I.P. Trevor Moore, but uh, North Carolina, which is currently a child bride destination, uh, is moving to change their law to actually not allow uh, adults to marry children. Uh, that is still legal in the state of North Carolina somehow in this year, 2021. Uh, they are just now deciding that it's probably not good if... Uh, children at the age of 13 uh, are allowed to marry adults. Yeah. Huh. Basically, if you're under the age of 16, uh, they allow you to get married. Uh, They could be as young as 14 or 13, as long as they have parents' permission. And as soon as I saw this, I just remembered the Whitest Kids You Know sketch where it's just Trevor Moore starting to sing, You Are My Child Bride. And so that is my weird news for today. Heck, I'll go. I'm gonna make that my red card. Why is North Carolina still allowing child marriage? Fuck North Carolina. Yeah, nothing. Nothing good ever came out of North Carolina. Except Michael Jordan. He came out of North Carolina. Yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah. Outside of Michael Jordan. All right. Do you have any yeah. uh, red cards for this week, or are you gonna no, play advantage? I'm playing advantage this week. Uh, I had ordered a new pair of Jordan ones that just showed up like maybe an hour or two before uh, we started recording today. And uh, man, I got to tell you, they are pretty nice. Uh, They are, they're mostly like white and black, but it's really the back heel accent. That's, that's really like the, the best touch on this. Um, they are they're just i mean they're they're a general release so it's not even like i like had to try to not nothing special no 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 i mean they are special they're they're pretty nice um they've they've got like the back heel is kind of like a like a rainbow sort of hologram looking uh material so that the color changes depending on like what angle you're looking at it and what like the lighting and everything so it's uh, it's it's pretty nice um it's not not the this podcast not a great visual medium, but um, I will definitely. But they they are available on Nike's website right now, and well, like I said, they're just a general release Jordan One. Uh, but uh, they are probably my favorite Jordan ones, just because you know it's nice to sort of have nice things, and those are some pretty nice sneakers. Growing, 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 and more seductive than sex. That's true, macho man. They are. Well, I think that'll do it for this week. Wow, wow, he's a very nice. For Brad Newton, I'm Austin David. Thanks again for tuning into another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. Hopefully, we have been uh, entertaining and educational for your listening pleasure. If you do like us, be sure to like us on iTunes and Spotify and. I don't know every other platform that exists. I think we have our podcast hosted on, so find us there and and give us give us the likes. Uh, what what did, what do YouTubers say? 
be sure to subscribe and, and leave a like by clicking the the bottom button or something like like share and subscribe yes. yeah that's it like share and subscribe so with that we're out we'll see you next week and you're dirty brown water trash and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash